my concern is as a pastor is that we have taught the gospel in such a way that it's allowed people to buy in without selling themselves out to Christ. And I think there's something significant that if we want to see new wine, if we want to see new stuff come out of us, there has to be a change in what we're doing. We can't be half-hearted in our approach to the kingdom. We can't be half-hearted in our approach to our relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't be half in. You have to be all in. And then if you're all in, then you have to live all out. And it's really important, I think, that we understand that, yes, there's the crushing and all that sort of stuff, but the crushing is to get the best out of us. The crushing is to release the new part of us, the the stuff that God needs to uh, minister into your family, to minister into our communities, to minister into your workplaces. It's through that that it happens. It's through the crushing of muscle in the arm that the arm becomes strong. And, and it's the crushing of the grapes that releases the wine. And it's, and it's when God gets us into a position where he says, hey, are you going to be all in for me? Are you going to live all out for me? This is what it looks like. This is what the commitment is required. And it, and it can get uncomfortable at times and it can feel quite constrictive and it can feel quite like God's squeezing you, but it's because he's trying to get the goodness out of you. And I really believe this morning that as we go through uh, the message this morning that, that that sense of new wine would start to uh, happen in our lives, that we would leave this place with an understanding that God's starting to flow in a different way, in a new way, out of us. Because if we just keep on doing the same thing over and over again, we're not going to get any different results, yes? They say this, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we have to understand that when it comes to a change or when it comes to uh, a transition or where we go from uh, one place to where we're all out, living all out for God, is that it's actually only one decision. It's actually only one change. It's actually only one risk or one idea that actually makes living all out for him absolutely possible. I think the problem that most of us have in our lives is that we try to make a hundred changes. We try to change a whole lot of things about our lives, yes? If you're like me, it's like, let's change everything at once. Hello? Don't leave me hanging here. We all try to change a whole lot of things, but the thing is, is if you try to change a hundred things, all that does is divide your energy a hundred different ways. And so in reality, all you're really doing is you've got a 1% chance of success because you're trying to do a hundred things a hundred different ways, spreading your, your energy a hundred different ways, and you've got one percent chance of success but if you would just make one change if you would just focus on the one thing that you believe that God's going to speak to you this morning that one thing with all of your energy produces a hundred percent a hundred percent change in you and that change has the potential that one change that you make has the potential to make a 100 percent difference in your life And if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you for a story this one decision that one man made, made not only a 100% difference to his life, but actually made a 100% difference to the nation's lives. And in Judges 3.31, this is the only place that this man's name is mentioned, and it says, after Ehod came Shemgar. Everybody say Shemgar. Is anybody pregnant here this morning? Because if you are, Shemgar would be a great name. Shemgar. 
son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Everybody say ox goad. Does anybody know what an ox goad is? It's basically a cattle prod. It's a, it's a farm piece of equipment. It's a cattle prod. And so basically it says here that Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. His parents here are like, man, I need to get one of those. One daring decision by a farmer with a um, farming tool results in the deliverance of the entire nation of Israel. One daring decision of a farmer who looked at his hand and said, I don't really have anything but this. I'm a farmer. This is what I use. I use my cattle prod to get my oxen going in the right direction. I can see there's 600 Philistines coming to oppress our nation. I'm going to use what God has given me, and I'm going to use that to destroy the enemy, and I'm going to use it to also release the nation. He made a decision in one moment. I mean, Shamgar has to rank as one of the most unlikely heroes in history. I mean, he's a he's a farmer turned warrior, transforming a farm tool into a weapon of war. I don't know about you, but if I was going into war against 600 people, for starters, I would never do that because I'd be too scared. But I want a little bit more than a cattle prod. Yes? Anybody with me this morning, or are you going to be quiet with me this morning? I want a little bit more than a cattle prod. I want a couple of M16s, you know, grenades, the whole shooting box. You know, I'm, 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 I'm just not going to go with a cattle prod. And I don't think Shamgar really had a clue while he was driving these oxen, while he was going around doing his general day-to-day work, while he was just doing what he'd always done. He was a farmer. He was just farming. He was just doing what he knew how to do. I don't think he had a clue in his head as he was just doing his job week in, week out, farming week in, week out, that God would one day turn that cattle prod into an instrument, that thing that he just thought was part of his everyday life that wasn't significant, that wasn't important, that was just, that's what I need to do my job. I don't think he had a clue that one day that, will become an instrument for the deliverance of Israel. And so often I think in our worlds is that we think all I have is an ox goat, all I have is this, this is my life, I go to work, I do this, I don't really have anything of significance to give Jesus, I don't really have anything to do. But here's the thing, friend, is that in that one moment when the opportunity arises, God can take the ox goad and turn it from a farm piece of equipment into a weapon of war for the right person who makes the right decision in the right moment. The person that says, I'm not going to be a farmer, but I'm actually going to be a warrior in this moment. And I I don't have a sword, but I'm going to use what God has given me. And that sort of stuff changes nations. That sort of stuff changes the world. He had an ox goad, a long stick to prod animals. and, And I'm sure as... Shamgar was running towards the Philistines with his cattle prod. He looked as silly as David did running to Goliath with a slingshot. It makes no sense. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's crazy. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you to understand this morning is that courage doesn't wait until situational factors turn to one's favor. 
Courage doesn't wait for the situation to turn. That's not courage. Once the situation is turned, it's, it doesn't take courage to stand up. Once it's turned around, it takes courage when it's going in the wrong direction. Courage doesn't wait for the plan to be perfectly formed. It doesn't wait for the tide of popular opinion to turn. Courage only waits for one thing. Courage waits from a green light from God. And when courage gets a green light from God, it goes all in and all out, full steam ahead, no questions asked. How do I know that? Because Ephesians 3.20 says that. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Courage doesn't wait. Courage goes. Because courage knows who's with them. Courage knows that, that I may only have an ox goat, I might only have a cattle prod in my hand, but a cattle prod in my hand with Jesus on my side is always a victory. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me personally, my, my faith falters and, and I have feelings of inadequacy at times and, 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 and I would say that sometimes my thinking is clouded by the smallness of some of my thoughts and my vision can sometimes be very small because the situation just seems overwhelming. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where it just feels overwhelming, where, you know, uh, you know, and, and God brings you through it and you get to the other side and it's kind of like, you know, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all the obstacles in my way. But the thing is, is that when you're in it sometimes, it's just so overwhelmed, you can't see. It's like you're... Your vision is clouded from, from what could be and your faith starts to falter and then you start feeling inadequate and, and you know, what we've got to do in that situation is, is, is I like to, I like to do what I call put my faith glasses on. I put my faith glasses on because when my faith glasses are on, all things are possible. I put my face glasses on, I pick up my Bible and I put my face glasses on and I read his word and I, and I start to, because I understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I don't just read it quietly. I read it out loud. So that I'm only reading it, but I'm hearing it. And I start to get my faith glasses on and the situation starts to turn. See, when we stop looking for excuses and start looking for opportunities is what we've got to do. We've got to stop looking for excuses and start looking for opportunities. The thing about opportunities is that they typically come disguised as impossible situations, yes? But we've got to look for them. Because it's in those impossible situations when we go all out for God, God turns all up for us. He turns up. It's in those impossible situations where the, the crushing happens that all of a sudden the new wine starts to flow. While most people run away from their problems we see here with Shamgar, he's running at them with a cattle prod. With a cattle prod. Imagine what the Philistines were thinking. They're either laughing or they're really freaking out. Because if you're a single guy running at 600 armed men with a cattle prod, you're either crazy or they're thinking, man, that's some amazing cattle prod he's got in his hand right there. 
because it's crazy, yes? But I've understood something as I've walked with Jesus. A little crazy goes a long way in the kingdom. A little crazy goes a long way in the kingdom because that's what going all out for God is about. Going all out for God is not worrying about what you have or what you don't have. Going all out for God is looking for an impossible situation and going after it. It's looking for the opportunity to go after it. It's, it's attacking the problems with whatever ox code God has given you. It's running, it's a, it's an all out assault on the forces of darkness by being salt and light. It's, it's more than pointing out the problems. It's committing yourself to be part of the solution. It's, it's, it's more than having a heart for Christ. It's actually about being his hands and being his feet. It's so much more than just being able to see what needs to change. It's, it's going all out into that impossible situation and with my ox code, because that's all I have and that's all I know, trusting that God is going to turn up in such a way that the thing that he has been working in me in my mundane day-to-day life, week-to-week life, is actually what he's going to use. You see, I think we make a, we make a mistake sometimes in our Christian lives, and I hear this a lot from Christians, that I, I tried, I tried, but it didn't work. I, I tried, but it didn't work. I tried, but it didn't work. But the Bible says you don't try for breakthrough, you train for breakthrough. And what you have to understand is what you do in your everyday life. The fact that you get up every morning and you read your Bible and it may not do something for you that morning, but you do it anyway. And you pray and you give and you do the things that you know that God has called you to do and it may seem mundane and it may seem boring at times, but it's training you for the breakthrough. You don't rock up to a marathon having sat on the couch for six months and then run a marathon. You train for the marathon. You go, oh, well, I tried to run a marathon, but I couldn't do it. I only ran a kilometer, and then I collapsed. It's because you didn't train for the marathon. Friend, impossible situations can become miracles in our lives if we understand that what God is doing in our world day to day, week to week, whether you think it's boring or whether you think it's mundane or whatever it is, he is training you. For the moment, 600 Philistines come over the horizon and all you have is what he's trained you in, the ox goat. And he'll use that thing that you don't think is of any significance because it's just, it's just what I always do. He will use it. He will use it to save a world, to save a nation. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He always qualifies the call. You don't, you don't need to be, he's not trying to, you don't need to get qualified to be used by God. God just calls you when he qualifies you as you go along. The, the litmus test when following Jesus is not experience and it's not expertise. It's not how clever you are. It's not how great you can pray. It's not how much of the Bible you know. The litmus test of following Jesus is simply this. It's availability. It's availability. That's why in Isaiah 6, 8 it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. If we look at Abraham, if we look at Jacob, if we look at Joshua, if we look at Joseph, if we look at Moses, if we look at Samuel, if we look at David and we look at Isaiah, all of them have one thing in common. They just said, 
here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. I think we spend way too much time and energy trying to work out what God's will is for my life. Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to do? I think that we've made a mistake that we think the will of God for our life is directional. I don't think the will of God for your life is directional. I think the will of your God, will of God for your life is making sure that you're in the right heart. Not in the right place, but in the right heart. Oh, where does God want me to go? Where does God want me to do? No, no, God just wants you to be in right heart. Right heart, ready. Give me the green light. Here am I. Send me. It's not about where you're meant to be going. It's about are you saying, here am I. I wonder if God is so much looking for someone to say, here am I, but they're so busy running around trying to work it out where God wants them to go that they're not being willing to be sent. Because if you're saying, here am I, send me, then the direction or the place where you're going is his responsibility. You see, where I'm going in life is his responsibility. The, The location, the destination is his responsibility. But my heart is my responsibility. To always have a heart that says, here am I. It's God's job to get us where he wants us to go. Our job is to make ourselves available anytime, anywhere, waiting for the green light. I've got my ox go. I'm leading my oxen, but as soon as you say go, Jesus, I'm out of here. I'm running out. I'm taking those 600 Philistines on. You see, our readiness to respond to God is what he's looking for. He's not looking for where you're going. He's looking for your readiness to respond to him. The Bible says this, that he orders the steps. Not you. He orders the steps. We're so busy trying to work out the destination God wants to take us to that I think half the time we're doing what I said a couple of weeks ago where it isn't about following Jesus anymore. It's about Jesus following us because I'm pretty sure you want me to go this way. Come on, get on board with where I'm going instead of just going, here am I. Send me. It's like turning up to the airport and going, I'm ready to go. I've got my passport. Just give me a ticket. I'm going. Don't know where, but I'm going. Hopefully the Maldives. It's your readiness to respond that God is looking for. And your readiness to respond, your availability always starts with a three-worded prayer. Here and I wonder what would happen in your world and my world and for the world around us if we stopped trying to work out God's will for our lives and just started going, here am I. Here am I. It says in another place in Scripture that Jesus was looking, trying to find someone to stand in the gap. In the Old Testament, stand in the gap because he didn't want to destroy the city he was about to destroy. He just needed someone to stand in the gap and intercede on their behalf so that he wouldn't have to do it because of their sin. But I reckon there's some Christians out there so busy running around trying to find God's will for their lives that he couldn't find anyone that was ready to go, here am I, I'll I'll stand in it. I'll stand in it. 
See, Shamgar could have said, hey, hey, hold on a second. I don't have the right weapon. I have a cattle prod. It's like, I have a fly swap. Woo! I have a cattle prod. I don't have the right weapon. Plus, I can't do this on my own. There's 600 of them, and it's just me. And, and then, I'm not even an Israelite. Did you know that? Shemgar wasn't even an Israelite. These aren't even my people. Why should I care? Have your way with them, Philistines. I'll just keep on doing my farming. He didn't have the right weapon. He didn't have anybody with him. He wasn't even an Israelite. Why, why should he have to do this? The thing is, friend, is if we, if we look for an excuse, we'll always find one. If we look for an excuse as to why we can't do this, we will always find one. But if you don't look for an excuse, you won't find one. And I just wonder, if you're like me, there's a lot of creativity that goes into my excuses. There's a lot of well-thought-out, time-managed creativity in my excuses as to why I can't do what God has just asked me to do. I know there's nobody like that here other than me. So I'm just preaching to myself this morning. But I felt like God said to me this week, Craig, why don't you channel that creativity and energy that you spend making excuses and use it to find solutions instead? What, what if I made one simple change that said, every time I'm scared and I'm feeling overwhelmed, Rather than using my energy to create an excuse for why I can't do this, why don't I use my energy to find a solution as to why I can? One simple change. They could change my life 100% and change our world 100%. Because when God stirs our spirits, or when God breaks our heart for something, for someone, for some situation. I don't know what God has stirred your heart about. Maybe it's the homeless. I don't know what God has broken your heart about. Maybe it's the kids that have been abused in our world. I don't, I don't know what stirs your heart. I don't know what God has broken your heart over. But friend, can we honestly, when God has stirred our heart and broken our hearts about something, can we honestly just sit back and do nothing? Can we honestly just sit back and do nothing because I believe when God stirs our heart and breaks our heart, it's time for us to step up and step in. It's time for us to go all in by going all out. And people might call us crazy because we're running at 600 Philistines with an oxco, but we know. We know we're not crazy. We know God's about to do something. We understand that what God has done in my life, which may look mundane, and may just look like path of the course that God has using it to set me up. You never know what relationship, skill, experience, or attribute God will use to bring about his eternal purposes in your world. We just have to look at the Bible. He used a beauty pageant to get Esther in the right position to become the queen of Persia so that she could step in and save Israel 
from being annihilated. He used Nehemiah, a cupbearer, the guy that held the wine, to be in a position of royalty and get favor so that he could go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He used David, who was a muso, who could play a harp so well that it soothed Saul's heart, that it would get him into the palace and give him access to the king of Israel. He used Joseph's imprisonment and his ability to interpret dreams to save two nations from famine. And he used a mass murderer named Saul to spread the gospel. Their three missionary journeys while writing half of the New Testament in the process. And if God can use them, God can use you. And not only can he use you, but he wants to use you. And you just think, but I'm just doing this. You can imagine Esther, I'm just having manicures and pedicures. Oh, what a calling, eh? How many ladies are here? This one is like, God's called you to spend seven days a week having spa treatments. Oh, I'm not sure. That seems like a hard task. She just spent her whole time having spa treatments, looking pretty, wearing gorgeous clothing. Don't tell me good looks don't get you somewhere. Look what it's done for me. But I guarantee she thought she was a nobody. I'm nobody. I'm just this pretty girl that the king... No, you have been positioned. The mundane in your life, the insignificant parts of your life are positioning you. Positioning you so that God can use you. Do the best you can with what you have where you are. To me, that is the definition of success. To do the best I can with what I have where I am. Success is not based on circumstances. It's not based on wealth or power or platform. It's not based on past experience or future potential. Success is based on stewarding. Stewarding every opportunity in every way, every day. Success is about stewardship, and stewardship is about success. And God just wants you to steward what he has given you to the best that you can do that. And he is setting you up for opportunity, friend. Joseph had at the hardest, yes, thrown into, into a pit, sold by his brothers, accused of uh, adultery with a woman that he never did it, thrown into prison for no reason, but in the prison he worked, he did the best with what he could do, with what he had, and when the opportunity came, because somebody said, hey, there's a guy in the prison that interprets dreams, because he was just doing the best that he could with what he had and the circumstance that he was in. Next minute, he's in Pharaoh's court. Next minute, he's interpreting the dream of Pharaoh. Next minute, he's now the second most powerful man in the known world at that time and saves two nations from famine, just doing what he could with what he had in the prison. Whatever ox code you have right now, use it for God's purposes. Use it for God's purposes. Don't just make a living. Make a 
life. You know, I, I hear people say things and, about how they want their lives to change and be transformed. And can I just say this this morning? You don't need a new job. And you don't need a change in circumstances. You don't need a change in friends and you certainly don't need a change of spouse. You just need to change you. You just need to change you. You need to shift from a person like I am from time to time, and we all are, where we spend our energy making excuses for why we can't do the impossible that's in front of us and start using our imagination and our creativity and what God has given us to find solutions to the impossible situations because with God, all things are possible. You see, when Shangar saw the 600 Philistines coming, I think he made a decision. We would have had to have made a decision right there in that moment of if he was going to go down, he was going to go down fighting. If he was, if he was going to go down, he was going to go down fighting, gumboots and all. You know what I think is the key to deliverance in yours and my life? is that we get to the point where if I'm going to go down, I'm going down fighting. Where we, we just make a decision. Where we were just like, you know what, I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm going to go and pick a fight with this thing. I'm not, I'm not going to let it dictate me any longer. I'm going to take this thing on. I may only have an ox code, but, but I'm coming at you. And I'm coming at you strong. And if I go down, at least I go down fighting. I'm not going to give up. There comes a point where we've got to say enough is enough. You can't continue down this path that you're continuing on. It may not kill you, but friends, some of the paths that you're on will eat you alive. If you don't make a change, if you don't decide, you know what, I'm going to go all out for Jesus. I'm going to go all out for God. I'm going to go all out for his kingdom. If you keep on going on the path you're on, it may not kill you, but it will eat you alive. It'll steal your dreams. It'll steal your value. It'll steal your identity because all of that is found in the ox code going after the Philistines. Everything that you need to know about who you are and who he is is found in the impossible situations. It's never found anywhere else. God rocks up always in impossible situations and shows you a side of him that you never knew before. You just can't keep doing what you've always done. You can't keep being old wineskin because old wineskin can't receive new wine. Because the new wine will destroy it. You can't keep doing what you've always done. You know, if you want to get into shape, or if you want to get out of debt, or if you want to recapture the romance or reach a goal, you can't just keep doing what you've always done. I've made a decision, courtesy of Rimmers and Dave Morgan's cattle prodding, to join the gym. I thought we were having a nice time fortnightly on a Friday having breakfast together. But those two decided we should be going to the gym together. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Sounds like the devil. But I made a decision that I know God has been trying to make me make for so long. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get, if you know me long enough for the last five years, I've been going to get in shape. But it doesn't happen, does it? Because you don't get in shape by talking about it. You get in shape by joining a gym and going to it. 
Yes? So then I go to the gym now and I was there on Friday and I took a snapshot and Friday views at the gym and my cheeky sister-in-law goes, oh, you're watching TV at the gym because the TV was on. Yesterday, I had to go and get Trinity's birthday present and I could have jumped in the car and driven down to Pukekohe to get it, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to walk down there and walk back. Why? you just got to make a decision. If you're going to get in shape, then make a decision and get in shape. If you're going to get out of debt, then make a decision and get out of debt. If you're going to rekindle the romance and make a decision and get out of and, and get the romance back. If you've got a goal you're reaching for, then, then make a decision. And here's the good thing about all those things, like I said at the start. Here's the good news. One change can change everything. One change can change everything. If you start small and stay consistent, anything is possible. You know, we've got to train for it, friend. We've got to start small, be consistent, doing it day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. You know, the, the athletes that prepare for the Olympics, can you imagine those guys that prepare for the 100-meter race? A 10-second opportunity to do something significant with their lives is four years of hard, hard, hard work, and there's no guarantee they'll even qualify. But they're doing the same thing day in, day out. I'm so glad my kids decided they never wanted to do swimming competitively because I watched what happened with, with Courtney, with her parents, when she swam competitively, having to get into the pool at some ungodly hour of five o'clock in the morning and, and, and every day, all week, just, ugh, no thank you. But it's doing the small things consistently that brings about remarkable change. Why? Because the Bible says, if you'll be faithful in the little things, God will give you much, big things. A 1% change, given enough time, can make a 99% difference in your life. So, so don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to chance. Grab your ox code and go for it. If you need to get out of debt, cut up your credit card. If you need to get fit, register for a marathon. If you need to do something with your career, why don't you, why don't you apply for a graduate program? Why don't you take a missions trip? Or why don't you set up that counseling appointment that you've been avoiding for 35 years? Because that's really helping you. Let's do something. Let's make a change. Let's decide, you know, I'm going to do something. Because the greatest adversary to going after your goals is, is a thing called inertia. Inertia is the thing that, that gets you going. Have you ever pushed a car? I, I used to have to push my brother's car a lot because he had a Valiant station wagon. Anybody remember the Valiant station wagons? Please help me out. Don't make me feel old. You know when we had real cars? Holden Kingswoods with the 202s, you know, real cars, not Honda Vits, sewing machines. And he had, he had this Valiant station wagon, and it was cool to cruise around in. It was pretty slippery at the back end, but it was cool, except for he, he brought a car, but he had no money for petrol. So I would spend my life felt my, my whole life behind the valiant while he sat at the passenger seat. Not helping to get it going. He's not got the door open, pushing with me. He's sitting. Lazy sod. That's why he's in heaven now, not here. I was a beat, 
beat him up. And, you know, you get the car and it's just like, you're doing this, eh? What are you doing? You're trying to get some momentum into it, yeah? And then that first, and it starts to go, and then, and then it gets, it's that first initial, that first initial push to get it moving. That's inertia. It's the first initial thing. You see, when you want to make a change in your life, it's the first step that's the hardest one. It, it, it's, it's the first step. It, it's turning up to the gym for the first time. That's the hard one. That's why you do it on a Friday morning at 6 a.m. Because, you know, Rimmer's going to be there and it makes you feel bad if you don't turn up. That's what you need Rimmer's for. But, but, but on Friday, this Friday, I didn't need him to help me turn up to the gym. I went there at 9 o'clock at a more reasonable hour on my day off. It's, it's that first step that's always the longest and the hardest. And unless we commit to a new course of action, we'll maintain our current rhythms and our current routines. And you got to understand that good intentions aren't good enough. You have to make a call. You have to make a move. I find that what happens is the enemy tries to discourage us by overwhelming us. Just makes this just seem too big. Just makes the change just seem way too big. You know how we how we overcome that? We counterpunch with small steps to our goal. You see, I wanna I wanna lose twenty kgs. That seems a lot. But we counterpunch by saying I wanna lose three kgs a week. You break it down into smaller goals. You counterpunch by saying, the first two weeks at the gym, I'm going to walk on the treadmill for 35 minutes, but the next two weeks, I'm going to run on the treadmill. You start breaking your goals down into smaller bits. Because, friend, if you're here today and you're struggling with addiction and you're struggling with stuff, and I don't know if you can overcome alcoholism, and I, I don't know if you can overcome anorexia for the rest of your life, but I believe this for you and I believe this for me, is that you can win the battle today. You can win the battle today. I don't know if you can overcome alcoholism for the rest of your life, but I believe, I believe you can win the battle today and not drink today. Maybe you end up drinking tomorrow, but you can win the battle today. You can break it down into smaller bits. I I call them living in day-tight compartments. Living in a daytight compartment where I can resist temptation for 24 hours. Come on, we can do that, can't we? I may not be able to resist it for seven days, but I can resist it for 24 hours. I, I can win the battle of the day. I, I, I know I can, and I know you can. And here's the thing, I think the enemy knows you can, that you can win the battle of the day, but we're trying to win the war of tomorrow. Friend, you want to break it down into day-tight compartments, and I was like, man, I, I, I know that's the goal, but, but I, I'm going to win today by turning up to the gym. And then I'll win tomorrow by actually turning up to the gym and getting on the treadmill. The problem at the gym that I'm going to is they have a coffee machine, free coffee there. It's like, what do you do? Treadmill, coffee, nectar of heaven, hell, no. You see, 
I want to encourage you to take it one day at a time. When you put one foot in front of the other, you'll be amazed how far you can go. Oh, but, but Craig, what if, I, what if I fall back into a bad habit? What if, what if my romantic efforts aren't reciprocated? What if, what if I don't make my target weight? And what if I don't get my dream job? You see, the problem with this there is that you're worrying about the results. Once again, you're worrying about the destination. You're worrying about where you're going. I, I believe this, if it's the right thing, then the results are God's responsibility. Because my job is to go, here am I. Here am I. Send me. And if he says to me, Craig, get to the gym. And I do, and I get to the gym. And he tells me what to do at the gym, although he tells me they're a personal trainer. I'm sure Jesus would be nicer than the personal trainer because we do live under the grace now, not the law. But the results are not my problem. Availability is my issue. Here am I. Send me. If it's the right thing, then the results are God's responsibility. If I focus on doing the right thing for the right reason, and don't buy into the lie that it can't be done. It'll take an all-out effort for me, I can guarantee you, I know. I was struggling to worship this morning because my shoulder muscles are really sore. Another reason why you shouldn't go to the gym, because now I can't worship Jesus properly. I'll have to start doing widescreen TV. It will take an all-out effort. But friend, what does the Bible say? You can what do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens you. You see, a failed attempt is not failing. Failing is not trying. If you're not trying, if you're trying, friend, then you're succeeding. If you're trying, then you're succeeding. But you've got to train yourself to win. That's what going all out is about. It's about giving everything that you've got. It's about seeing 600 Philistines coming over the hill and going, I know I don't have a weapon. I know I'm on my own. I know I'm just a farmer. But I've got this thing that God has placed in my hands. And I can use that. And God and me become a majority. God and me become the winning formula. Because I know that this is what God has given me. And this is what God has created me. And just like Esther, with her good looks, got her into the right place at the right time. Just like Nehemiah, being so good at carrying the wine cup, got him in the right place at the right time. I know that there's going to come an opportunity which looks like an impossible situation. But God has equipped me through my work, through my relationships, through whatever it is, through my uh, athletic ability, and he has positioned me for this moment. I just have to go all out. I just have to go all out. And you know what? If I go all out and I, and I go down trying, at least I try. I just think we sit too much on the defensive. I think it's time we pick the fight with some things in our life. I think some of you guys, when it comes to pornography, you need to pick a fight with it. 
Come on, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And there's a power behind pornography, and it needs a hiding. It's time to pick a fight. It's time to, it's time to get on the offensive. It's time to, to do something. It's time to go after those things. It's time. Let me stand to your feet this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. If you make a decision today that you're going to do something different, it's going to be the hardest thing that you'll do. Like Jody mentioned in communion, I thought it's so brilliant that she's doing communion, not knowing that we have this item, not knowing that I'm going to talk about this. I think maybe God's trying to say something to us today. That when you make the first step, man, the crushing, it hurts. It hurts. But I've been having some, some sleep problems. <laughs> it's probably an understatement. I've been so unfit that I've been falling asleep 11 o'clock in the morning and my office chair just falling asleep. Luckily, none of the interns have walked in and seen me. I've been falling asleep, you know, two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I get home and, and, and before dinner can get on the table, I probably snooze for about an hour. And then after dinner and dishes and Trinity's like, hey, the kids are, kids are gone off to do their own thing in their rooms because they're teenagers, so they just, they only come out to eat and they go back again. She goes, maybe we could do something together. By the time she's asked if we can do something together, But I'll tell you what, since I started at the gym, it's, it's changed. I can feel it changing. I've been up since 2, 2.30 this morning, and I feel more energy now than I did yesterday. Because, friend, you make the step, it's hard, man. It's hard. I have not enjoyed, I have not enjoyed it. I have not enjoyed the gym. I'm going again tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because I know the inertia is happening. We're starting to get momentum now. We're starting to get happening in the right position. We're starting to go in the right direction because it's just like, here am I. Where do you want me to go? I want you to go here. All right, I'm going there. Here am I, God. What do you want me to do? Here, go here. Stop focusing so much on where you think God wants to send you and start focusing on making yourself available. He'll get you to the place that you need to go. He'll look after the results. He'll make sure that you're on the winning side. You're just going to go, I've got an ox code, send me. I've got an ox code, send me. Here I am. I want new wine on the inside of me. I want, I want to see that new wine. Because where there is new wine, there is new power. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment? And I'm going to ask if you're here this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, you've never ever asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So, Probably the starting point of a changed life is making a decision here today to say, you know what, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God's not asking you necessarily to change anything about your life when he does that. In fact, he says, come to me just the way that you are, and I want to bring you in. He's already paid the price for your sin before you even realize you had any. He's like, he has made the way. You don't have to do anything other than receive his forgiveness this morning. And then you can have a conversation about where he wants you to go, but he is ready to accept you 
just the way that you are. No change required. Just who you are right now, right, right now in this moment. He wants to receive you as his son and his daughter. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've walked away and you know you've been away from him and haven't really been where you should be with him. You've, you've brought in, but you've not really sold out. Then, friend, I want to give you an opportunity this morning, very shortly, where I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And once I said, I'm going to ask you to put it down, and we're just going to pray that God would come and intervene in your world. If that's you here this morning, you want to give your life to Christ, or you want to reconnect and get back on track with him this morning, if that's you, why don't you just lift your hand right now, right up high, and when I see it, I ask you to put it down. Is anybody like that here this morning that you want to do that? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else this morning? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning? Two people. Anybody else? You just man, I really need to get myself back on track. And we're going to pray right now for those that just put up their hand. Why don't you join with me? I'm just going to pray and we can pray along together. So, Father, I thank you so much, God, that two people this morning have said, Lord, that they want to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray right now, standing where they are, that they would feel your love and your grace and your mercy pouring all over their lives, that you remove all the sin from their lives, and that they were, as they've received you this morning as Savior, that you would come in, Lord, and you would cleanse them of all the stuff that they don't need anymore, that they'll be able to stand and know that God is my Savior, God is my Lord. It's okay, I don't have to worry about the past, the present, or the future. My God has got me. And so, Father, I pray right now, let that love, let that grace, and let that mercy surround them flow through them, on all around them, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I want to I wanna be a here am I kind of person. I thought God didn't have a plan for me because I just do this mundane job, but I realize that he's given me an ox code and, and I want to I wanna, I wanna have a, Shamgar moment where I say, here am I. Here am I. I've been so worried about what it is I'm meant to do with my life. Now I just want to make myself available with my life. And I'm going to go where he'll send me. I'm going to go wherever he sends me. And I'm going to worry about my locations. I'm not going to worry about the results anymore. I'm just going to be a here am I, send me kind of person. I want to live that way and I'm going to make the most of every opportunity that comes my way, understanding that God is positioning me to do the impossible. If that's you this morning, as these guys start to sing, I want you to respond to God. I want you to make a response to Him this morning so that He knows. As the Bible said, He went looking. And Isaiah, they're looking. Who, who, who shall we send? Who shall, who shall go for us? And Isaiah pops up and he goes, Oh, here, here am I, send me. And and I think our way of popping up this morning and saying, here am I, send me, is by coming down the front and just lifting our hands. And that's our way of saying, God's looking. God's looking. Who's going who's gonna to go for us? Who's going to go for us? Who's going to be the next Shamgar in this place? Who's going to be the next David in this place? Who's going to be the next Abraham, Moses, Joseph? Who's going to be the next Jacob? Who's going to be the next Joshua? Who's going to be the next one that's going to say, hey, 
Here I am, send me. If that's you this morning, as these guys start to sing, then I want you to come out as your way of saying to Jesus, I'm that person that you can send.